0: We're not allowed to say who it is, but it's a very large food company and we're saving them 100 million annually and they're paying us about 3 million annually.
1: You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews, I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Norman Crowley. He founded and sold three businesses for over $750 million before the age of 40. He's on a mission to cool the planet and is the current founder of an energy-efficient company, an electric car manufacturing company, and a solar energy company. Norman, you ready to take us to the top? Yeah. Okay, so people can read more about you at CrowleyCarbon.com. What's your main business today, though?
0: Um, Our main business is the business of sorting climate change. And if you look at climate change, there are three things that you need to do. Uh, It all centers around energy, transport, and food. And they're the three areas that we work in. So energy, energy efficiency. The world wastes three of the $4 billion that we spend every year on energy. So solar is great and wind is great, but how about we stop wasting it to begin with? So that side of our business works with some of the biggest companies in the world, saves them up to $100 million each annually, which is a lot of dough. Um, and then our car business is interesting. So rather than trying to do what Elon is doing and make electric cars, what we do is we retrofit specialist vehicles. So of the there's over 1.4 billion vehicles in the world. There's over 60 million new vehicles every year. So if we're going to wait for all of them to become Teslas, it's going to take about 100 years. And so what we do is we retrofit things like mining support vehicles, Um, classic cars. So we do a good line in electric classic cars. Um, And so that business, thankfully, is booming. Um, And then for food, we're doing a startup in the area of food, uh, and particularly the area of cell ag or cellular agriculture.
1: And are any of these, so are there software components to any of these businesses? Or is it the car is obviously heavy hardware, it sounds like? Yeah.
0: So software is... So in our energy efficiency business, it's all about software. There's a thing in the world of energy efficiency or in the world of industry called Industry 4.0. I don't know if you've come across that. It's basically... It's the current evolution of industry and everything now in industry is going digital from 3D printing to cellular agriculture. Um, And in order to make that work, you need software. Basically, in order to make it work properly, you need to understand everything that's going on in your factory. And how you understand that is with this internet of things. Um, And our platform in that space is called Clarity um, because it gives you clarity as to what's going on in your factory. Yep,
1: so let's talk more about clarity. Um, So so help me understand, I guess it sounds like you're selling directly to the manufacturing plant.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And so it's like, if you think about a manufacturing plant, it's just full of components, full of machinery clunking away all the time, making things. And that could be anything from a pharmaceutical plant all the way through to a food plant, right? Um, And the thing all the time is you have no idea what's going on. There are machines everywhere and they're up to all sorts of things. And so if a machine decides to slightly change how it's operating, that could mean that you're losing hundreds of thousands of dollars a day, but in energy terms, for instance, but you don't know that. Or it might be affecting the throughput in the factory or the quality of what's coming out of the factory. Um, So what we do is we give you this monster window into what's happening. So we have sensors plugged into everything. So these super low-cost sensors that have a five-year battery five-kilometer range um, that you can click onto anything in a factory. And then once you have those, the next thing you need is, well, then you have a huge amount of data. So then what do you do with all this data, right? So that's where artificial intelligence comes into play, machine learning comes into play, but also it's where kind of people come into play because like you can have all the smarts in the world, but in the end, you just need people looking at it as well and making decisions. And so what it does ultimately is it makes a kind of slightly dumb factory um, very smart, very quick. And you have to figure out how to do that in an economic way. You can't just say, well, I'm going to charge you a fortune for doing this. So the way R1 works most of the time is what we call shared savings. So if we improve the situation, um, then either you can pay for the software or you can just split the savings with us.
1: That's a very risky model because I imagine you find yourself in a lot of debates about attribution. Did you your software save the energy, or did they do something not related to you that saving yeah. the energy? Right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a great observation. Well, after ten years, we've kind of figured out how the contract works, <laughs> and so what we do is we basically say, is that, "Hey, is that right?" The software's been around for ten years. Yeah, it's been around for ten years. It's getting slicker and slicker all the time but um, it's um, it's been around a long time and like some of the biggest it's great like some of the biggest companies in the world use it like three of the top four food companies seven of the top eight pharmaceutical companies um, and we're operating in kind of 23 countries this is impressive
1: so Norman, let's, let's really, I want to hyper You're doing so much, but this is really interesting to yeah. me. So I want to, I'm going to naturally ask questions about this. So there's a two-part play here. There's an IOT play mm-hmm. where you have to sell an upfront hardware expense to get the monitors installed. And there's an upsell related to the ongoing fee, whether it's a cut of billing saved or a flat software fee. If a manufacturer is going to pay you a fat, a flat software fee, what are they typically paying you on average for that?
0: Um, On average, between per factory, about 20 to 35,000 bucks. Um, And the reason they're doing that is because they're saving kind of 10x that otherwise you wouldn't do it, you know. And it's much more. 25 grand annually. Annually, yeah. Yeah. And like, look, some are paying, if we're saving somebody quite a lot of money, they could be paying us a quarter of a million annually, you know, because like that's the average price is 20 to 30 but like if you have a very big factory or if you're saving them a lot of money then it, it could end up being a lot of money
1: norman can i ask what your biggest contract is what is your most you know the the the, con- the manufacturer you've saved the most for paying you every year
0: yeah we're we're not allowed to say who it is but it's a very large food company and we're saving them a hundred million annually and they're paying us about three million annually wow fascinating okay yeah that, that's, that's not in one factory by the way that's in multiple factories around the world how many out of curiosity um it at last count about 34 35 yeah and um, so how many
1: factories today around the world do you have at least one of your iot devices installed in
0: uh at least one now actually about four thousand. yeah Um. so quite a lot of factories yeah wow so there's well, now, is it 4,000 factories or 4,000
1: IoT devices installed across all your factories? No, no,
0: 4,000 factories. Yeah. How
1: many uh, IoT uh, devices?
0: Uh, I couldn't answer right today, but it's <laughs> in the millions. Yeah, because it's not just our IoT devices. It's actually when we plug in, we plug into all of their devices as well. So you could get, in one factory, you could get 70,000 data points off them, right? Um, and then you add your own, Yeah. Um, and so, in fact, um, let me, we're, this is a video podcast, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, throw it up. You got something you want to throw up on the yeah. screen?
0: So just give me one second. I'm going to yeah. get a prop for this. Oh, so, I love, love, love a big prop. <laughs> so these are the sensors. These are pretty cool, right? Can you see that? Wow. Well, yeah, up for, up those, for those of
1: you listening only to audio, what you're seeing here, it's about, it's smaller than the size of your palm of your hand. It looks like a very small black, almost battery pack, kind of.
0: Yeah. And then they're magnetic. So if you want to install one, you just do that oh, Just wow. click on to whatever piece of machinery and i'll just show you so there's a qr code then yep. on the top of it so if you want to and there there are all kinds of sensors so vibration sensors temperature sensors flow you name it and you can install like 250 sensors a day right in a factory so it's pretty It's pretty phenomenal. And so you can make a very old clunky factory with no data available. And within a day, you can know everything that's going on, you know, and then the big trick then is it's not really a tech problem after that. It's a people problem, right? Because Mm -hmm. then you've got to, you can do all of this in a factory and make it all smarter and alert people to problems, but the people who run that factory have to really engage with you and A lot of the time what happens is the CEO of the whole group, he wants like, or she wants energy savings and throughput savings and quality improvements. But at a factory level, a lot of the time they want just, can I, can this do my ESG report so I can say how much carbon I'm saving so I don't have to spend Saturday night working on these stupid reports all the time? Or can it, you know, can it stop something from breaking down so I don't get a call on friday night just when i'm heading for beers and um, so kind of predict a break right and so the thing that the ceo wants is very different from the thing the finance director wants is very different from the plant manager is very different engineers a lot of time just want to work with cool cutting edge shit right and so everybody wants a slightly different thing and it took us a long time to figure out how do we appeal to everybody how does everybody get a win out of this because just because the guy the ceo is saving a fortune doesn't mean you got to win right that just means somebody is saving a lot of money Everybody, we find in order for this to become ubiquitous, everybody has to get a win.
1: Yep, no, it makes good sense. Let me break into some economics here, real quick. That device you just showed me, what does that cost you to produce?
0: Mm. Um, it depends on the sensor. It can, it's rangy, right? So it could be as low as thirty bucks, and it could be as high as five grand.
1: But the one you showed me, just just the just the one you showed me,
0: yeah, one of those was about thirty bucks. One of those was about eighty bucks. Cost of production.
1: Interesting, and And, then. Do you subsidize that? If you know someone's going to pay you a lot in a software fee, will you subsidize the hardware installation?
0: Or we say, like, because meters can be a capital expense and guys can struggle to get capex, we say to people, hey, look, why don't you pay us three bucks a month for that sensor? And it's saving you 100 bucks a month. So you're happy, we're happy. Uh, and so we can do it as sensor as a service as well.
1: Are you doing loans there? Is there a finance product there? Are you making,
0: no, it's kind of just, we use our own balance sheet to put those in. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. We get paid forever. Yeah.
1: Take me back to year one, 2011. You said if it's been around for 10 years, do you remember how much revenue you did way Mm -hmm. back then year one?
0: Yeah, we probably did about 150,000 bucks the first year.
1: (laughs) How How did that feel?
0: Uh, look, it's scary. Like, this is my fifth company. So, they're all scary in the beginning because you don't know what you're doing and you're just hoping that it's all going to be okay and that somebody will buy it off you, you know. And then it's that maturity curve to today where, where you know, I, I can only tell you today what went on by looking at our systems. I have no idea what happened and who met who, like, or, or what their feedback was. So it goes from you're emptying the bins the first year and taking out the garbage to today, which is that you're just you're hearing it all anecdotally from HubSpot or whatever. Yeah.
1: <laughs> How many folks are on the team today, full
0: time? Um, in the energy division, it's about 180, uh, all in across everything we have, close to a yeah. thousand.
1: So you have all these businesses: the car business, the food business, the energy business. Is this all on one cap table? It's all one business
0: yeah yeah it's oh, wow. called cool planet group yep and um it's it's all to do with cooling the planet and we have our investor group we're very lucky how that, much have, how much like, have we raised um not that much actually relatively speaking probably about 38 million bucks um, and okay. so um like up until the beginning of 2020 we'd only raised five million bucks into the business and we were in 23 countries. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think raising money is not, you know, I know it is a path at the moment, then everyone does series A, series B, and all of that, but I would encourage people not to put a whole lot of stead in that. It is so you just you just what,
1: recently did a $33 million round that it sounds like, huh?
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so we took on a strategic partner which is a French group called T2. And they're a climate change or what's called an energy transition fund. And they're a billion dollar energy transition fund. And they are fantastic because, you know, it's one thing just to get money from a bank, be it a venture capitalist or an investment bank. It's another thing to have a partner and somebody who believes in the mission. And this is very much a believe in the mission type business. Not, you know, yes, we worry about making money, but we worry much more about the mission well
1: yeah let, let's go back to the money real quick do you remember the year you passed a million in revenue
0: um yeah i would say it was year three you know, okay so uh, like
1: 2013 and
0: then it kind of exploded yeah and it was kind of nascent enough until 2015 it probably went to 5 million and then from 2015 on it just exploded because we kind of figured out some of the secret sauce Yeah, you know, and uh and it was then; it was tripling every year and um, fairly consistently for a long time.
1: And, mm-hmm. and what are you at today?
0: Yeah, we don't disclose that, but it's big. Yeah, it's in the hundreds of millions. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I can. We can. We can take four thousand factories, right? Times that twenty five thousand yeah, dollar hour. that's a yeah, hundred. Yeah. some 100 of them are getting
0: 000. it on the cheap. Some of them are getting it expensive. <laughs>
1: Okay. But, but, but if we only, cause again, you have three business sectors. I'm, I really want to focus this podcast just on the one, the energy when we talked about the software, is that one alone? 4,000 factories times $25,000 ACV. That's a hundred million in revenue. Is that one alone doing more than a hundred million?
0: Well, it, it, yeah, it is more than a hundred million. Our revenues would be an hundred
1: You're almost, you're almost, you're almost shy to admit that a little bit.
0: Well, we don't, the reason we don't is we're not, we enjoy not being publicly quoted and also what we find is that, you know, it's better for people not to really understand the breadth of everything that's going on. It's simpler, unless why, you're an investor.
1: Why is that? I mean, when people see what you're doing, go, wow, he really is cooling the planet. He's at 4,000 factories. They pay 30 grand yeah. on average. I mean, holy cow, yeah. it's incredible.
0: Yeah. But what we find is that competitors, if if competitors understand every single thing you're doing and your margins on everything, then that's not so good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but even mm-hmm. if they knew that, so they're not they're not Norman yeah. Crowley.
0: Mm. No, and I, I'm not worried about them really catching up. I'm more worried about them competing with us on a bid and knowing what margin I they're see. getting and all that kind of stuff, you know. Um so and also I floated a company in the mid 2000s and I did my quarterly reporting and my revenue disclosures and all of that. And I much prefer that our group is is not on the market, and our goal is not to float this business. You
1: know, Norman is, we scarred, just... is scarred for life after his foray into public markets. He will never talk about metrics <laughs> <Yeah>. publicly again.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, we don't. <laughs> we, love... we disclose things like how many tons of carbon we're saving and things like that, but that's it.
1: Well, um, I think I think these numbers tell a more compelling story. So the ones you've chosen to share, I want to thank you for, for sharing those. Um, um, yeah. So, so talk to me a little bit about, are there synergies on how these three different businesses work together? Like Elon Musk, mm-hmm. right? There's a battery mm-hmm. business, and then you mm-hmm. do solar tiles, mm-hmm. and then it also powers Tesla batteries, right? Do you have these synergies? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we have crazy synergies. In some parts, we have crazy synergies, and I'll explain those. In other parts, they don't connect at all. Like if somebody spends a million bucks for an electric classic car, then there's no tie in to energy whatsoever, right? Um, but in the bigger parts of our vehicle business. So if you think about putting an electric vehicle into industry, then it has to have a charging infrastructure that we deeply understand. It has to have solar. Well, it should have solar to supply some of the power. And then also, if we're doing your electric vehicles, what's the point in having EVs if you don't have an efficient plant as well or an efficient office? So they dovetail very closely. And what we're building now is what we call ETAS, so E-T-A-A-S, so is Energy and Transport as a Service. So you you get the vehicle office for a service fee, and that includes the energy that, that is supplied to the vehicle. And also because on top of that, we can get the vehicle tacked as what's called a VPP, a virtual power plant. So when the vehicle is plugged in, it can help to balance the grid as well. And so... That's the first area where they're all fully integrated. And then where food comes in is if you're doing cellular agriculture, which is the control of a bioreactor to create meat, for instance. Well, we happen to understand controlling bioreactors deeply because we have a lot of brewing customers and a lot of pharmaceutical customers. And so they tie together very well, actually. Yeah, that is, this makes
1: tons of sense. Now, if you look at, don't disclose the actual revenue figure, but if you take the whole pie of all three businesses, what mm. percent of revenue comes from each, if you had to break it oh, down? It's,
0: it's all about energy at the moment. Food is, cellular agriculture is a startup, almost no revenue. And um, and then cars is is smaller, and but is coming up very quickly. The EVs are, as you know, are exploding at the moment, completely exploding. Got it. Yeah. So your business that we've talked about today,
1: the manufacturing, one of the physical devices, that is your 99% of your yeah. revenue today. The other two are really startups.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I can disclose in cars, cars will do, well, next year is easier. Cars will do about 70 million next year. This year, it'll do hard to tell with the pandemic, but it'll probably do something like 15 or 20. And what will that'll you... give you a flavor for the speed of growth.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's that's good growth. What did it do last year? The car business?
0: Oh, like it was well, 2019 it was a startup with two well, 2020 in the shed, 2020 right? though. So 2020 it did about two million that kind right. of way. And how do you get so, to the two million? So is this now, like, thing if is you on a... the
1: value of all the cars, or is that actually your margin on? The yeah, car? yeah.
0: No, no, that's if you added the cars. It's not that many cars last yeah. year. How many so cars? The curve is scary, you know, and. Um, it's um, last year would have been about twenty cars. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I mean, that's the fun number, right? Is when you can see a plan where you're putting, you know, a yeah. cars yeah. on the market every quarter.
0: Yeah, yeah. The funny. Well, I was about to use terrible English and say the funner number, <laughs> the um, <laughs> the number that gets us properly excited about cars now is um, the software that transport as a service, energy as a service number. So the recurring income. On that, is it looks like it's going to be everything combined looks like it's going to be about thirty five thousand bucks per vehicle per year, uh, all in. So it's kind of serious money, um, and and that's quite exciting. So it's much more money than you can charge just for a vehicle on its own. Like if you were leasing a Tesla, it wouldn't be that kind of money. You know, this is when you combine energy and vehicle. Together as a service, the revenue goes through. The I'm, roof. In, I'm confused.
1: So, so I'm actually no, leasing a Tesla. No, I'll I'm, I'll I'm leasing, I'm leasing yeah. a Tesla here in, in LA. Right, it's seven thousand dollars for the year. Then I have to give it back yeah. at the end of the year. How yeah. do you make thirty five thousand dollars extra for me? No, yeah,
0: Yeah, we're giving away a slight secret sauce here, but, but okay. let's let's go for it. So. First of all, there's the vehicle itself, right? Then there's the amount of energy that that vehicle is saving, right? So fuel bill for a vehicle could be 20,000 bucks a year, whereas fuel bill for an EV is 2,000 bucks a year, right? Then there's the energy efficiency in the plant bolted onto that. And then the final one, which is the real secret sauce, is a vehicle can, you can get paid about 7,000 bucks a year, for the vehicle supporting the grid. Just one vehicle.
1: Right. It so is, when you so add that it, is that virtual power plant idea that you talked about. These are like yeah, little floating power plants yeah. everywhere.
0: Well, it's crazy, right? Because the vehicle's not being used a lot of the time and then you can plug it in. Um, and then in the particular case of the 40,000 bucks, the energy efficiency thing in some industries, the fact that the vehicle becomes electric as opposed to a hydrocarbon vehicle, ends up saving like 20,000 bucks a year on something like air extraction, for example. So in a lot of industries, that carbon monoxide or that NOx has to be sucked out of somewhere. And then if you're saving that as well, then it's massively profitable. Yeah.
1: Norman, this is great. I could talk to you for a long time. Let me hyper focus Mm -hmm. on one or two last questions before we wrap up on the IoT business where you install the thing in the 4000 manufacturing plants. One of the things I Mm -hmm. always talk to SaaS founders about is if you have an IoT play, usually your net dollar retention once the installation happens goes through the roof, nobody churns. Are you seeing the same Mm -hmm. pattern? Do you have higher than 120% net dollar retention?
0: Yeah, we have greater net dollar retention um, every year, some negative churn, right? Yeah. And the reason for that, there's good news, bad news. The good news or the bad news is it, getting a customer in our industry is very difficult because you have to install stuff. You can't just convince them to use your CRM. So that the sales cycle is way longer, like nine months, you know, between four and nine months, and depending on the scale of customer then the good news is because the platform is good, they don't go anywhere because the difficulty of going somewhere else is just too difficult, you know? And so it is, it's is—it's good and bad, right? But definitely time to deal or proof of value is long. And then is your number one
1: way to drive upsell revenue, like you did with your biggest customer paying $3 million per year, really just selling addition them installing your hardware and additional plants and, and
0: just yeah, more plants, more hardware, more value, actually, because the more you can save them, the more sensors they'll put in, because the more they'll want to save. And that's, that's getting very big, you know, and, um, and our team who run that are exceptional. You know, they're, they're serious industrial engineers who really know where they can add value. And you're talking kind of PhDs who really understand process and stuff. And what we find in competitors is they, have a lot, they can give you data in a bucket, but they can't tell you what it means. And the customer wants to know what it means. They need to know what it means. And so that's where you need people and AI and stuff as well. If you don't have that, you don't have anything.
1: Norman, before we wrap up with the famous five, last year, how many pounds of CO two did you take out of the air?
0: You know what? It's kind of embarrassing, but without going on our website, I can't tell you that. And a couple of years ago, and I've stopped looking. A couple of years ago, it was the same amount of CO two as all of Dublin, which is the capital of Ireland, uses. Yeah. So because some of the why don't you publish?
1: Why don't you publish? I mean, isn't the exciting number? It's on
0: our website, but yeah, it's on our website. You just don't know it. You just don't know it off the top of your head. I just don't know. I've stopped looking. Yeah, I see. Yeah. And I also, see. we haven't integrated cars into it yet, so it's probably not as accurate as it should be right now. <laughs>
1: Got it. All right, Norman. Let's wrap up with a famous five. Number one, your favorite book.
0: Oh, um, delivering happiness by Tony Shea.
1: Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying?
0: Yeah, Elon Musk. Nobody <laughs> else.
1: Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Crowley Carbon?
0: Uh, current hub spot but it changes
1: number four how many hours of sleep do you get every night
0: uh i'm pretty good now i get about eight yeah
1: oh, that's good and what's your situation married single, meditation kid?
0: man meditation yeah. Nathan, that's the key
1: <laughs> are you married single kids what's your situation
0: uh, married with two kids grown up 20 wow 22 yeah.
1: and how, how old are you <laughs> uh 50 50, yeah. 50. last feel, question
0: feel like 90 but 50 yeah. <laughs> we love
1: that last question what's something you wish you knew when you were 20 say that again Something you wish you knew when you were 20?
0: Uh, Just, well, a couple of things. Meditation, well, exercise, diet, food, meditation um, are, are the things, right? If you do that all the time, then everything else works. Guys, Crowley Carbon
1: launched in 2011 has a very interesting play of a physical installation of an IOT device to save manufacturing plants energy. Then they sell software on the backside of that. Today, they're in over 4,000 plants. Each plant pays between, call it $20,000 and $30,000 a year. On average, the largest plant pays or the largest group pays $3 million per year because they're saving them so much time, energy, and money. They broke a million dollars in revenue in 2013, 5 million in 2015, and now just this business line more than $100 million in revenue as he starts to reinvest into two new lines of business in food and cars, which sound very exciting. Norman, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan.